was a good friend of mine. Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case, and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in our studio today is my co-pilot, Lil Baron. Hey, Mr. Case. Lil Baron. <laughs> How are you doing today? Today is a great day. It I'm is? doing good. Yeah. You know, just this morning, I was on our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I'm on almost every day, yeah. like just of necessity, of necessity. Oh, yeah. But this morning I was on the website and uh, which is seniorgames.net, by yeah. the way. <laughs> yes. And I saw this, I saw, no, I know this link is there, but I saw the link for games photography. Oh, and I had a second and just for fun, I clicked on it and I'm glad that I did. I kind of had a, uh, it was fun. It was kind of a ball kind of looking back over this past year at oh. some of the incredible memories yeah. that we all made together at the Huntsman World Senior Games. The site is organized by sport mm-hmm. as well as event. Um, if you completed last year or really on any previous year, mm-hmm. you had to take a minute and peruse that photo site. You might be in there. You might be in there. Hopefully you are in there. <laughs> and even if you're not, you can just like, like I did, yeah. you're going to get these great memories yeah. of everything that happened. Photos are available for purchase. If you want a physical or if you want a digital version of the picture, you mm-hmm. can do that. But even if you just want to peruse through it, right? tons of fun. Even if you've never competed at the games, I would recommend taking a minute <laughs> right. and just checking it out. Like it's a great <laughs> representation of of what happens during the games, the energy, the friendships, the smiles, right. the grimaces, <laughs> the, 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 aches. A, the, yeah, the, the agony and the ecstasy. It's all there. Yes. And again, it's all organized by sports. So really fun. It's it's worth checking out. Again, seniorgames.net, check on games photography. Uh, you can find all of those pictures as well as registration rules, schedules, really everything that mm-hmm. you need to know about the Huntsman World Senior Games at seniorgames.net. So check that out. It's kind of fun. Today's guest. I know. Lil, I'm so excited. This is another great one. Dave Blair was born with a club foot and was told by doctors that he would never be able to function normally. He had several surgeries and proved those doctors wrong by enjoying many sports as a child and as a youth. He found that he excelled at throwing and tried out discus in high school track and field. He won the high school state championship against able body athletes, and that success led to an athletic scholarship to Weber State University where he set six school records in the hammer and weight throws along with his high school favorite, the discus. Then Lil, listen to this. This is even cooler. After a 16-year break, from the sport. Wow. Dave discovered that he was Paralympic eligible in 2015, and he went on to win a silver medal at the 2015 Paralympic World Championships, a gold medal at the 2016 Rio Paralympic Games, and then fourth at the 2020 Tokyo Paralympic Games, all in the discus. That's amazing. That is amazing. I got chills. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, we're, we're excited to visit with you. Now, I just, I want to make sure I got the a sense of the timeline here. So you competed in high school. You had some success there. A lot of success, I should say. You went on and competed at the university level. You had some success there. And then you took a break, a significant break, 16 years. Yeah. yeah. So, so how, I'm, we just ask around here, but how old were you when you're like, oh, I'm Paralympic eligible. Maybe I should give this a shot. So I, I kind of like this aspect of uh, the show because no one hides from their age. <laughs> yeah. We, everyone loves it. Here. Everyone yeah. wants to be older because then you're in the next age group. That's right. <laughs> so timeline was uh, in 93, I won the state championship in Utah. And then in 99, I graduated college. And then it was in 2015 where I started training again. So I was um, 38, almost 39 
And then I when I won the gold, it. when I won the gold in Rio, I was 40. Wow. wow. I am speechless. <laughs> that is awesome. I, that is just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. And like, I can't wait to pick your brain just a little bit because <laughs> like, that's astounding. Like that is astounding. Um, track and field is not traditionally an older dude's sport. No. <laughs> and, 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 or, or, or for the women either, like it's kind of a young person sport. And yet you found out, Hey, I'm eligible. You decided you were going to go for it, but you didn't just decide to go for it. You like nailed it. You right. nailed it. So congratulations. I got yeah. I got I to ask you, you, you got this news, you found out like, what was your, what was your next step? Like, what was your process on like, okay, I'm going to go after this. Well, so I had a little luck on my side because I mean, first of all, first of all, I'd already trained in the program. Right. And I'd had years. So track and field on almost every event, you've got to put in your time to start excelling at your event. Um, and I'd already put in that time, right? And our bodies have this beautiful thing called muscle memory. Muscle memory. Yeah. And so I didn't, what I had to do is hope my muscles remembered how to recover from training. And <laughs> that was. Well, and let's be honest, after 16 years, I mean, that's that's a lot to ask of our muscles to remember that long, right? It is. I, I'd done a lot of, and I had a, a, a coach once I was talking to and because, you know, they see their athletes at the D1 level crash and and not be able to continue in the, with the training. And I'd stayed active just by simply I would go play basketball uh, once or twice a week, every week with buddies of mine. So yeah. I'm a I'm a, a software engineer of sorts. And so I sit at a desk all day. Yeah, like many um, of us do. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky enough to be able to stay somewhat active. And but that, that still was not a match for me reintroducing elite level training. And it was, I still remember just like, I couldn't lift my legs. Uh, my hip flexors were all locked up. Um, and I was at the Olympic training center in Chula Vista training with all these other young athletes. Yeah. And the only thing I could look for, I, I was so looking forward to going to just getting in the ice bath and taking a nap. It just, <laughs> I was so dead. Like I remember I was in the ring because part of it is you have to lift your legs and move them around. Right. You've seen the discus maybe. Yeah. Um, and like, it, it hurt just to lift my legs off the ground at one of the training camps. And I was like, man, I don't know how, but eventually the, the body just kept going and kept recovering and kept recovering. The distances were there. And so, you know, the biggest trick and the biggest secret was learning to adapt at the age for the training yeah. and, and being very, very cautious to listen to my body. Um, and like a lot of us are taught to work through the pain growing up, right? That's what yeah. we're taught. Not true as a master's level athlete. Don't do it. <laughs> um, as, as, as soon as you can, my recommendation, and I would do this with a younger elite level athletes too. As soon as you feel it, you've got to get it figured out and fixed or else you might be out for weeks. Yeah, that's the, my training, like the difference, the, the throwing, the lifting, all of that. The, that's all the same. The whole new dynamic that I've added to my training as a senior, older-ish athlete <laughs> is, is, is managing the recovery. And that's been like my passion of my training. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And uh, again, I, I'm my mind is just a little, I, I don't know if you can tell, <laughs> but my mind's a little bit blown because what you've done is so special and so amazing. Yeah. It really is. Now, have you retired or are you shooting for Paris? Paris is kind of the goal. We'll, we'll oh. see. Um, I, I did Tokyo. Tokyo didn't turn out how I wanted and um, there was a lot of stuff going on from COVID to like, just, right. mm -hmm. I mean, we can, it was, it was a horrible 
um, competition for me and for everyone there. It was raining really, really bad. Uh, the r- the ring was slick. I fell down a couple times, and I my knee is still damaged from that one competition at the Tokyo Games. Um, but like that, it just I was hoping to retire then, and uh, it went so poorly that <laughs> that. Um, I don't want to go out on something like that. And maybe that will be what I go out on. Who knows, right? We'll see if I can get to that level and train up to that. Um, but yeah, I've I've started, the season has started. I, I live in Utah and we had a ridiculous amount of snow this year. Yes, and we did. So um, I'm only like three weeks into my outdoor training, but we have, uh, so yeah, that's the goal is to get up and ready to go again uh, for Paris and it's asking a lot of uh my body but I think I think the last um several years I've gotten it to where I'm pretty good at getting it to recover and go forward. You know, you touched on that recovery aspect and I think for for our group our mm-hmm. our group of athletes I think um there's two ways to learn that lesson the hard way and then the, the smart way, <laughs> right. right? And yeah. any of us learn it the hard way mm-hmm. like it's just, you know, because because that drive for competition is real and it doesn't ever really leave like you your your muscles respond differently, your recovery, your preparation, like all those things change but your desire and your drive to compete doesn't change and so, you know, a lot of that a lot of that I don't know, maybe bad advice that you get as a, as a kid to just rub some dirt on it, walk it off. All those things, like those things still live inside of you. And so you, you feel a twinge, you feel a pull, you feel whatever. And most of us just want to just kind of grit through it. Right. I agree. Um, I've met many people who like that competitive drive puts them in the weight room or on the track or in the training facility every day and sometimes multiple times a day. And, um, so an example for me, uh, when, when we were training for Rio, so you asked earlier, like what I did, how I took this, I have, I have, I I was really lucky because I have connections, um, and I'm friends and, you know, I competed at the division one level and did pretty well there. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the club foot I have, like it, it has a lot of stress fractures in it. It's a funny story. I went to the, um, podiatrist not too long ago uh, to get it checked out. Cause I was in pain again. And he's like, in order for these bones, cause my, my tarsals were super thick. He's like, in order for these to be this thick, you've had to have broken this foot more than 200 times with stress oh, fractures. Wow. Like you couldn't even see the, uh, channel where like the blood would flow through the bones. They were just so thick. And I was like, well, yeah, I believe that every day in practice, like it was like a ball of fire down the there. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I didn't realize it was, you know, micro stress fractures, which were making the bone thicker and thicker and thicker. But uh, with those connections, I had a good friend that we competed with um, against each other from junior high all the way up into college, uh, James Parker. Um, he runs a, he's a chiropractor now, but he's, he's not your typical chiropractor. He does like muscle work and muscle activation work. That's like miraculous. Mm-hmm. And um, he has been uh, a big secret for me in my recovery. Um, but he's as a former Olympian, he, he gets it both and his career was shortened. His career was shortened by all things of tight hamstrings. Like he couldn't get them to loosen up and it, and it, and it took him out of the sport when he still had a good two, maybe three years of elite level competing to do, but he couldn't get his hamstrings to back off. And so to give you an idea to that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so it's, it's interesting with, with him and what he does, um, our, our nervous system will shut these muscles off when it senses like there's some damage yeah. or some strain there. 
And then you don't know when it's going to turn them back on. And so in the meantime, the muscles that surround it and support it are overworking. Right. Right. Which leads to a cascade effect of injuries in the muscles. And and that's what had happened with his hamstrings. So he goes in and sees this, this doctor and he turned back on the hamstrings with some, they do, it's a combo of like massage, uh, acupressure and, um, some adjustments and right there, right in the session, they turn back on and you can now control and lock them when you couldn't before. Hmm. Um, so I was opening up my training after at this age of 38 in 2015. And, and like most of us pulled my groin. And if you know, groin pulls are a good, like four to six weeks recovery. Oh, they take yeah. forever. Yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah. It's not fun. And, and I was <laughs> like, I called him up and I went in there and, uh, he wasn't my coach yet. And I was like, James, man, this, like, I gotta keep going and I can't because my groin is like, I can't even walk. And right there after my session with him that day, like he turned it on, I was bearing weight on it and able to push off of it and, and squeeze it. Like I, I'd not been able to do for three weeks before that. Wow. And, and I was like, man, he's an Olympian and he can do this to my body. I think I'd really like him to be my coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bring this guy on board. <laughs> yeah. And so we did, and it's been great ever since then. But for example, like just adjusting with the years and the training, like I was lifting four times a week in the 2016 season and throwing four times a week. And, um, just last year or no Tokyo, he was like, Hey Dave, um, I, I don't think you're recovering from your training. He said, I think you should switch to two times a week in the weight room and three times a week in the throwing. And like, as a, that's a really hard thing to do to tell I, young I athletes gonna, to do that. Yeah. I was going to say that that sounds simple, but I'll bet you that you struggled with that. It was, it was really hard. He's like, I promise you'll get stronger. And I'm like, how can you get stronger lifting less? And he's like, I, I, I like, I'm telling you, like, he knows, he knows my body really well, the muscles. Right. And he's like, I'm telling you back off and let's see what happens. And I backed off and my numbers in the weight room, like shot up and the numbers in on the field, like the farther, I, the farthest I've ever done. And it was, it was really eye-opening to me. And it made me think, man, was I overtraining during my prime? Like yeah. how much better? Like it, it just reiterated, like I'd already sort of kind of figured it out, but it just reiterated to me how important it is to gauge your recovery. Like the, the work you put in is of no merit at all. If you're not doing proper recovery to get, reap the benefits of the work you put in. And for mm. me, it meant dropping way down in the weight room as far as frequency goes. Um, a, a funny story. I actually paid a guy. Uh, I had a, so I broke my foot in uh throw in 2020. No, it's 2000. Um, yeah, it's 2019, maybe 20. I was in a training throw in March and just snapped the foot. It was 19. Yeah. Um, and that's when I found out that like, my bones are really, really thick. And that also is a downside. Like they don't get a lot of blood flow now. So uh, we had to figure this out. So there wasn't much training I could do. So I thought, you know what I can do, I'm going to do a lot of upper body work in the weight room and I'll get really strong and I'll be ready for the season when, whenever this foot heals. And I, I, I hired a guy uh, outside of my coach, which he was fine with, but I got a workout plan just for upper body to try and get it really strong. And in it, it was like, okay, lift every day, increase your numbers by this and add this much each like, it was a full on plan. I tried it for, I think I gave it two weeks and my numbers 
started dropping. He's mm-hmm. like, you should be at this. You should be at this. I was doing all the supplements, all the protein, everything like I needed to, but the numbers kept dropping and I was actually getting weaker and my muscles were getting tighter. And that's when I talked to my coach about it. And he's like, you, you can't lift like that anymore. And we switched to two times a week and it's it made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But can you imagine like telling young athletes, Hey, you're, you're strong enough to be doing what you need to do. So stay out of the weight room. Like they yeah. just yeah. counterintuitive. They're, they're not going to do it. It doesn't make sense to them. Yeah. 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 So we've talked a little bit about, um, the recovery aspect of things, which is so important. And I don't think we can overstress that. I do want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about the mental preparation. I mean, you have competed on literally the biggest stages in the world <laughs> that are available. Um, there's got to be an intense amount of pressure there. There's got to be just uh, just a, 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 a lot of mental preparation, uh, to say the least. How do you go about preparing for competitions that, it, that, that others might be able to learn from? Well, I'll tell you, um, there's two phases to that. Uh, in the past, I would used to get there and feel like I was going to be able to just give it my all go all for it. And like the, uh, the perfect example for me was when I realized I needed to shift the way I worked. So Rio, Rio went really well. We were throwing really well going into it. Uh, coach was there. Uh, he'd worked on me right before all the muscle, like everything was balanced. We were ready to go. And I got in the stadium there and I just knew, like, I just, I just knew I was going to win. Like there was, um, it's not very often where that happens to people, but I, I knew that there was no way no one was going to beat me there. And so I threw well, I, I won gold and I, I had a world record and it went great. And the next season I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to really do well this season. Right. I, I noticed I'd get to major meets and I was trying harder and there was a lot more emphasis on performing even better. And I realized that I was overstimulated uh, in my mind going into the competitions and it was actually costing me in the competitions. And I realized I needed to learn to compete in this environment with all of this pressure and yet be as calm as though I'm at practice. What I did is start pursuing ways to calm myself down in heavy events. I spoke with like a, a sports psychologist for Team USA. She was great. She did really good, but it didn't it didn't change the fact that I'd get in these major meets and feel like this huge urge to just explode the arena with a great performance, right? And that was too much. Um, so I actually, I'd read about using, I'd already was using like ice for my recovery on sometimes. Like there's ways to do it right and, and the timing of it's important. But I switched and I took some training from a certified Wim Hof instructor. I don't know if you've heard of Wim Hof, but yeah, I know who he is. Yeah. I, I did some Wim Hof training and that's where it switched for me. Everyone thinks that the Wim Hof program is about uh, teaching your body to do well in the cold and it it, cha- it makes physiological changes in the cold. We approached it from a completely different aspect. And that's what this instructor taught me. And that's the secret. Everyone thinks with Wim Hof, it's cold exposure. It's not. The secret with Wim Hof is mental exposure because of the cold right yeah so i'd learned they taught me some breathing methods uh to use and everyone sees this breathing and it's like hyperventilating like uh hypoxia that's one aspect that's totally different the the the, he always has said and this is what they they say that the ice is your best teacher 
on the planet. And that's because if you and I got in an ice bath and put it up to our chin, everyone panics. Like that's the rule. Everyone panics. <laughs> I, I can just... I can actually attest to that. I, I I know exactly what you're talking about there. And it is a panic. It is. It's it's yeah. So how lucky are we to have something that's a controlled panic and then learn to calm down with that, right? Mm, and still like, like a, a, a lot of people still can't even handle the thought of getting in the ice. <laughs> But I'm telling you, that's where it came from. Like uh, my coach went to the class with me. We learned to do the breathing. Uh, we we learned the proper way to do an ice bath, which I would recommend doing is with proper training. But for me, it was learning to work the breathing to settle myself down. And then I applied that in the ice bath. So we'd get in the ice bath and it would turn into more of a meditation than a recovery session. I, um, the, be- the recovery benefits were nice, but it was a meditation session. I've actually nodded off and dozed off in the ice Ooh. before. And it wasn't like in a day, you know how you like do like, say you're like doing some meditation or whatever you're just sitting and you're like, was I asleep? Did I fall asleep? Right. No, we're sure that wasn't hypothermic. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Cause what woke me up was my phone went off. Someone was calling me. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, my phone. And I, I, and I, anyway, so I learned to find scan and uh, shut down any tension that I might find in my body. And then now I use that and it's got to where like, we'll be in practice and coach will say, uh, you're a little too tense. Like you're, you're, cause with me, my event, a simple inch of constriction difference. Yeah. It's like a meter, maybe, maybe two meters. Cause with me, it's that big radius. You need it to go. And so any tension, a a tense muscle is not going to help you at all. They have to be loose so that they can flow well. And, uh, he's like, Hey, you're tense. I, I think you need to relax a little. And do I know how to relax? Yes, I can do it in ice. So I can do it on a ring. I can do it in, in the sunshine in a ring. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's an immediate response, just like in the bath. I can get in the ice bath and immediately be calm and relaxed. Wow. Um, and you can you can feel your heart like start pounding, and then you can your heart you can you can slow it down. Uh, so for us, it became learning to how to watch and respond to uh, things in the body for me the the breath is super easy um to jump from sympathetic to parasympathetic it's a long exhale we can't everyone says you can't control your heartbeat and you can't but you can control your breath and the way you breathe will trigger stimulants in your body for how your heart's going to respond and so that's it once i can hit like that at least seven second exhale your your body has to flip a switch and calm down and if you think about it like when someone gets you upset or someone says something and it bothers you. And so it agitates you a little, your first response is an exhale, yeah. <laughs> right? But it's, that's, I think, you know, I'm not trained in this other than reading multiple books and trying it out a bunch. I think <laughs> it's the body's physiological response to, hey, it's time to settle down. And and the longer you can get that exhale, the, the faster your body will settle down. And then with that comes down your heart. And then you can do the opposite to raise your heart and to raise your adrenaline is short, short breaths, like short choppy breaths. And that'll simulate uh, adrenaline and that'll get your heartbeat going like this. So you can't, I can't sit here and just say, yeah, I'm going to slow down my heart and change nothing. I have to change the way I breathe. And then in doing that, I can speed up or lower my heart and I can uh, raise or lower my blood's oxygen level. And then the response to that. So to me, it was a very physiological thing. Um, but yeah, to, to have that controlled panic and then learn how to deal with it, it's no different than this huge adrenaline rush that you might yeah. get when you're in an environment. So for us, the adrenaline is always going to be there. We know that. And so how can you stay calm 
to let the adrenaline do its job and give you a good performance. Cause it's, it's like a fine line, right? Like yeah. if you have too much adrenaline and you respond to it with too much energy, your performance is going to be not good. But if you can have mm -hmm. the adrenaline there and then you show up and you compete at a level mentally of practice, that adrenaline level will give you the performance of a lifetime. Right. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. It right? is great advice. Dave, thank you so much for joining us yes. today. We've used up all of our time, but uh, best of luck yes. cow, coming up in Paris and everything you have going on. We're, we're rooting for you and uh, just hope everything turns out the way that you're that you're working towards. Yeah. Thank you so much. Wow. Really good stuff. Yeah. No, that's that's given me Did a lot you of things. See, to think I was about. panicking when a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can see yeah. that. Just a tiny bit. When you go into our uh, conference room, it's yes, a little bit like a nice bath for you. I so need to calm it's breathing. My breathing. A long exhale. A long exhale. Hey, I'm going to have to do that. Just a quick reminder: <laughs> now is the time to register for yes, Custom World is. Senior Games. You can do that, as I said at the beginning of the show, at SeniorGames.net. Be sure to take full advantage of early bird pricing mm -hmm. that is available until August first. But get it done early because yeah. some of our sports do fill up and we're getting close on a number of those. We want to remind you to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. We take this live show and turn it into a podcast and you can subscribe pretty much anywhere that you find your favorite podcasts. You can also find this and previous shows right on our website. Once again, SeniorGames.net. So check that out. Today's inspirational thought comes from an Arabian proverb, mm. and it goes like this. He who has health has hope, and he who has hope has everything. Mm. Until next Thursday, stay active. <laughs> <laughs>